I want to hear about this Naked Home Tour. What's this claim to fame I've heard of? And give us the dirt on that. Well, I mean, when video first started before short form, I just like to make fun videos. And I did a Naked Home Tour that put my name on the map. All right, guys, today's episode is with Erica Wolf out of Jupiter, Florida. Erica shares with us how she built her business from the ground up, focusing on systems, procedures, and leveraging online lead generation. Hope you enjoy it. Erica, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to spend some time with you this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. You know, as we were preparing about what's, you know, some of the things that we could talk about today, Kiro and I both have different guests. So sometimes I'll introduce, I'll invite people, and other times Kiro invites people. So I was sort of bringing him up to speed on on the little that I did know about you. And I was telling him that, uh, you know, top producing agent, Jupiter, Florida, as you were telling us, transactions this year, about 100 transactions, $100 million in, in overall volume. Um, so some of those things, uh, you know, were exciting. And uh, I think we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper. So Hit it. Erica, you ready? Ready. All right. What's one family tradition you would like to carry on in the future? I have a shitty family, y'all. Um, <laughs> What's a family tradition you'd like to create mm, for the future? I'll just keep it that I don't label any Christmas presents and I give one gift with a name on it with wrapping paper and everybody has to figure out their wrapping paper and know that every year because I don't like labeling stuff. Let's go with that one. Mm. So you're a systems person that doesn't label stuff? I'm a systems person that labels stuff, but likes to mess with my children. That makes mm. sense. <laughs> you just I don't have any children, but wounds. if I did, I would mess with them. <laughs> yeah, right. My dad did that. I think that may be the only reason I want to have children. Just to mess with them? Of course. Teenage years, funnest. 17 and 15-year-old, by far funnest age ever. So we'll just put that out there. You have a 17-year-old? Yeah. Wow. I'm thriving in the teenage Good years. for you. I thought yeah. you were like 27. It's not adding up. I'm 35, but thank you. Good for you. <laughs> Good. All right. So the, I guess it's my turn then, huh? Mm -hmm. These are none of the ones that I wanted. And neither and those are the two I wanted. Okay. Yes. All right. What's the poorest you've ever been? Food stamps. <laughs> when was that? Um, when I was a teen mom. Yeah. So 18, 19, I, I'd say. I love those success stories where it's mm -hmm. like you come from like struggles and you're able to create something of yourself and kind of give an example to your kids. There's a really good book. It's, um, why is it? It's called The Road Less Traveled. And he was talking about how when a parent struggles and they see, the kids see the struggle of the kid, the, the, what the fuck am I saying? Parents. The parents, when the kids see the struggles of the parents, the kid's work ethic increases significantly. And it's something that you can't teach. And it's something yep. that's ingrained when they see you go through that, which is awesome. What is that you, something you think your kids have seen? My oldest, my youngest, artsy and doesn't really care. My son is a straight A student, good, follows the rules, does everything right. So, so you can't win them all. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you regret not doing when you were younger? Um, I don't have really regrets at all because I just believe that everything happens exactly the way it should. Right. So like I don't regret anything or else I wouldn't be where I am today with who I am today with how my life is today. So. I don't have any. Good. 
No regrets. Mm-mm. No regrets. Man. I'm going to put that tattoo, I'm, no regrets. So. I'm glad you didn't ask me that one. Why is that? I got a lot of regrets. Mm. <laughs> but th- but I would have a twist to it where I would change a lot of things. Being a high analytical, yeah, I see that. Yes. What alcohol can you never drink again? Um, Jack Daniels made a, a punch that was in like the big Jack Daniels bottle. Yeah, that. Never. <laughs> Ever. You have to tell us more about that. Um, well, you know, you use fake ID, brought it to the sandbar on the boat, like when you were skipping school and hmm. that was all what we got. I think it was called Down Home Punch by Jack Daniels. Ne- that's, Never that again. Is what called. Never again in my life. Awesome. What's one person, if you had to pick anybody who's either alive or even dead that you could spend the whole day with, who would it be and why? Um, I think that changes from time to time, like whatever I'm going through. But I think right now, because of what I'm going through with my life, like I really want to see my Callie bestie, who's also a real estate agent, Julie Patterson. So I would love a whole day with her right now. Shout out Julie Patterson. What are you going through right now? Mm, A lot of stuff. We don't talk about my stuff like that, unless it's in the past. Got it. Mm -hmm. When hindsight's 2020, that's when you could talk about it and reflect through the growth. Exactly. I can, you know, have control, say what I should say, don't have regrets on saying other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting whenever someone comes in here and they have a reflection of the past of saying no regrets, X, Y, and Z, like I'm a better person now. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of healing that goes through that. Mm-hmm. And, sometimes, and a lot of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, the overall healing helps you become a better person, a better leader, a better mm-hmm. team leader, right? Business person mm-hmm. overall. And it gives you more balance in life. And obviously you were nice enough to share or vulnerable enough to share that that wasn't the case from the beginning. So mm-hmm. I can imagine when you were on food stamps as a teenage mom, you never expected to have the success or experience the experiences you've had so far. If you want me to touch on that, I kind of have a difference of opinions or I guess viewpoint than most on that. I actually came from um, a family that had money, but they were successful. My older sisters are successful and I was just ashamed. Like, they were ashamed of me. So when I came home pregnant, they kicked me out and cut me off. But I lived the life of, you know, skiing in Tahoe for Christmas, spending the summers in Bahamas and like living a good lifestyle. So I think getting a taste of how I did like living my life and then being cut off, I worked harder to make sure I could have that life yet again. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I don't, it wasn't I was raised, you know, horribly or or my parents actually did anything wrong at all. I just went against the grain and I still kind of do go against the grain and it ends up working out and you learn some lessons along the way. Yeah. But that exposure is so important because you know how Grant Cardone says the middle class sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's so much truth to that because people in the middle class are taught to be almost robots and not exposed to much as the people who are on the top of that totem pole. So you mm-hmm. had a taste of that, then you went to the complete polar opposite. So it's mm-hmm. almost the polar opposites are the ones or, or the people who tend to be the most successful in life because they don't settle for the mediocre life. Mm-hmm. They don't settle for anything less than what they feel they can actually achieve for themselves. And they tend to yeah. be the hardest on themselves as they're growing through things. So when you look at your business in correlation with that thought of you being hard on it and analyzing it, how has that benefited you and that skill from your growth brought you to where you are today? I always feel behind. Um, I have achievers curse like no other. I'm a workaholic. 
I just feel like I could be doing so much more all the time. Amen. So, <laughs> and then I see some people that have so much more on their plate than me. And I know comparison is the thief of joy, but I see so many people that have more on their plate and I'm like, but they're doing more than me. And so I use that as like motivation, but at the same time with all that said, I just feel like I'm just getting started. I really do. I feel like at 35 with my kids being teenagers and not like needing me, like discovering who I am, what I want to do. And like that, I really do feel like I'm just getting started, even though I've been in the industry for 15 years now. Yeah, It's kind of weird. <laughs> And being able to be in your position after 15 years doing 100 transactions, 98 transactions, 100 million in volume, I can imagine mm -hmm. it wasn't like that from the beginning. Can you walk us through your story of how you got started to where you are today? Um, I actually always held pretty decent jobs. Like I was a bank teller and then I was an insurance agent's assistant. And then I got licensed to be an insurance agent. And then I did well when I was an agent for the first year and I was seeing settlement statements come through. And I was like, oh, you know what? I probably need to be on the real estate side of this and got my real estate license and was doing both jobs like insurance during the day, real estate at night. And then I got linked up with a uh, real estate attorney and this is 2008. So he asked if I wanted a partner, you know, and give him a majority of the commissions basically to handle short sales and foreclosures. So I did. So I really learned systems and processes, not only from insurance, but from the attorney aspect of it all. And I did that for two years, picked up a list of investors, and then realized one of them is actually a Canadian. Um, he was probably my first true mentor. And he taught me numbers, told me money is relative, and said, you need to go out on your own. So I did. Um, which was scary. And he's like, I'll buy homes from you. And to this day, I think I've bought and sold 78 homes with him. Wow. Wow. Um, so I just, he taught me a lot about the business and then about education. And I constantly, I'd say for the past 10 years, nine years, been in either a coaching or a course program to constantly educate and elevate and like, what's new, what can I do to grow? And I actually really enjoy that aspect. So that's kind of the short and sweet of it yeah how i got started you said you're in you you've always been in some sort of coaching program being meaning you've always had some sort of coach coaching you coach or like a course right like um running digital ads learning how to use social media like i've been running digital funnels for the past eight years so i had to learn that from somewhere right you know so wasn't necessarily a coaching program but it was a course so i'm always in something to learn something once i feel like i've mastered it i add on something else the one thing that is impressive about you, and I always think, I always compare. So John and I were taught in a Mike Ferry sales system where we were talking about skill development. How do you handle objection handlers? What do you say? How do you improve on how you say what you say? And it's all about the delivery of the pitch of the sale. And we learned, I guess, through error and pain and long nights that the operations, the business side of it is the complete polar opposite of sales. And mm -hmm. everything you learn in operations, that fundamental build out is what truly allows you to scale and have the freedom that everybody talks about. 
So you were able to develop these digital funnels eight years. So that's after a year in coaching. Is that something that you learned, a course that you took specifically for that? Yeah, that the first one was Ryan Stuman Break Free Academy. I think it's called something else now. He's out of Texas, um, and he used to be a mortgage broker um, after the crash when the licensing uh, stuff changed. You know, he he got out of it and started uh, doing courses. Um, and it was all about sales funnels, right? And it wasn't necessarily just for real estate agents. It was just sales funnels. He was the first person that I actually got a targeted ad from, right? So like, I feel like he was one of the first, there was others. And so, so what he was if- following me around and I was like, this guy's everywhere. He wasn't <laughs> everywhere. He was pixeling me because I was clicking his links. And then I was like, oh, I need to be doing this. And so- that was my first taste of like a good course, good, like, okay, if I do this skill, I make more money. Yeah. And, then, and yeah. then I was hooked on, I'm a course junkie. I probably purchased everyone's courses at this point. With the exposure you have, what are some fundamental operation systems someone should have in their business in order for them to grow and scale at a rate that you have? Well, so I think I should say what I've done wrong first. Right. Like, let's dissect it and reverse engineer that way. Because I was a young mom with the kids, like I was so scared to hire. I did everything. I mean, everything. There was multiple nights that I definitely didn't sleep and, you know, handle transaction stuff after the kids went to sleep or searched for investment properties and did those items. When I finally was like, okay, I, I think I can do a buyer's agent. I hired a buyer's agent. And then we hired a transaction coordinator. And then I hired my operations manager. And then I hired my assistant. And now like in hindsight, and then obviously some other agents, but in hindsight, I should have hired transaction coordinator first, assistant second, buyer's agent third, operations manager fourth, and then other agents, Mm. um, if I were to look at it that way. Why is that? And I should have taken the risk of giving away some of my money for the first, you know, three months of hiring somebody because I would have made a lot more quicker. What do you mean by that? In the first three months? Like in the first three months of hiring somebody, right? Like, I think a lot of people are scared to hire because they may not see a return on their investment for three months, right? Like, they may not realize how much more time they have on that third month because they have a transaction coordinator that no longer has to ask them questions on how to do stuff and handle stuff and they're buying back their time. Right. But that seems risky at first and scary at first because now you're giving up some of your money. But you're not realizing you've been giving up your so much of your money by trying to do it all yourself, yeah, right? right? And because I'm a control freak with that first buyer's agent, that's when anything that was in my head I turned into an SOP, checklist, screen recordings of how I do it. Like as we did that, I wish I would have been recording how I do stuff when I was first by myself, right? Or when I was like figuring it out because I spent so much time developing systems and operations and all of that. And if I would have just screen recorded, put the link somewhere, when somebody was hired, they could have like taught themselves whatever the tasks were that I needed them to do. Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's we had Tom Ferry on a few weeks ago, and we were talking about that a little bit with him about just the fact. Isn't it interesting how like sometimes we're in this business? I mean, at least I think I was in for five or six years before I actually picked my head up and said, "All right, well, you know, we need to actually 
document, you know, document how we do what we do or which part of what we do is sort of proprietary or what part, what makes us different or actually have a marketing plan. You know what I mean? Like, it's so crazy. I feel like, especially being like growing up in like a prospecting focused environment, I was just always like, like you said, I, I really related to what you said before about just always being behind. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm at 10 deals. I was supposed to be at 12. Like find the next deal and just didn't have the time or, or the times that I actually sat down to put, you know, some procedures in place was always like on a snow day or like on a Sunday or yeah. like, you know, a day where I could actually breathe for, for a second. Well, the difference is you could afford it because Erica had children. So it's like, what does it say? Necessity is the mother of creation. So it's like yeah, but I mean, still then, like, even if I had a reason, I still didn't want to let any money go. I probably could have, you know, done it and scaled up quicker if I had the other first. Right. And I think even people, if they don't have a reason, still think they can handle it all, but they aren't realizing that they shouldn't be handling it all. That's not a business. Hmm. You're just a salesperson at that point. You're not actually running a business. Yeah. So are you running a business at this point? Yes. Does it run without you? Yes. That's great. I envy you. I'm just, <laughs> congratulations. Well, I think we all want to get it to the next level, right? I mean, there's certain things within my business where if I'm on vacation, I feel like, oh, this can't get done if I'm not involved. But, um, you know, I think that's why we have to sit down and set up these procedures so that people can make the next steps and, and relinquish some control so that things can happen without you getting involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there's a false uh, idea of how SOPs work. Because when we first were exposed to SOPs, we're like, oh, we'll just simply document it and have like a procedure book. And then you create it, you put it down, you never touch it again. But it's almost like a living document. And when you actually understand how that works, and then you can actually change it, procedures change, and then it can evolve without you at that point. I love Trello personally for like marketing aspects. We use Realvolve for transactional aspects and everything's built out. So it is literally the people have to click that they've done that task. Like it is built out like on each listing that's put up, but like you have to click each item that they did, put the link like, or put whatever graphic or put whatever in it. It's not necessarily anymore just like a Google doc. Whereas mm -hmm. when I started, it was like a Google doc with, you know, backlinks. Yeah. Which is super painful. Now, <laughs> so with that being said, let's imagine that uh, you're starting fresh all over again and you gave a different perspective. Now you're in the business, you're producing, you're doing eight to 10 transactions every single month as a solo sales agent. Your first hire is a TC. After that, you said it would be an assistant. So would there be a timeline in between? How would you build out a team if you had to start all over again? Oh, well, I think just like that, I would do, you know, recording and SOPing every step I'm doing, mm -hmm. adding the transaction coordinator rather immediately. Honestly, I think now there's so many companies too, that you could outsource that do everything for you. That saves so much time handling the transaction, you know, back and forth of everything. And then the assistant can buy you time for helping with buyers for, you know, lead follow up when you can't um, errands like, you know, and all in between. And then at some point when you're really, really hitting it hard on listings and farming, I would be going to finding more buyers agents. Yeah. One thing you also mentioned um, was about your one of your skills is being able to farm and, and develop a niche in the neighborhood. Had, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that and how you started and when you saw results in it. I've always stayed pretty 
hyper local. So Jupiter's in Palm Beach County, where the like the well Tequesta technically is the most northern, but we're the most northern northern town in Palm Beach County. We're only twenty four square miles. We're fifty three thousand residents. However, I'd say like twenty thousand of those are are uh, snowbirds, right? So. Um, I'd stick it around 30,000 people is what I'm trying to get in front of at all times. And then you have to remember a good portion of those are kids. Um, so in my mind, when I was running funnels, if I was getting my audience sizes around 20,000, I felt like I had my people, right, that I had to keep staying in front of. And then as I got listings, I started adding mailers to it, right? But I wanted the mailers to go back to the digital ads. Like I wanted everything to be a web. But the first investor that I was speaking about earlier told me somebody has to see your name 13 times before they even remember it, right? So that was the point of the digital ads for me was how do I get them to see me 13 times and how quickly can I get them to see that? And then when I added in the mail, I started with 5,000 homes and it was on a monthly basis. Now I would say we're at 7,500 homes, and I would say it's about an every other week basis of a mailer that's hitting those people, but they're also seeing our ads as well. And then there's other points that isn't necessarily in my mailer farm that within Jupiter, it is our name on placemats, um, all of our pens are at the nail salons. There's like different things we do specifically in that local business because I'm just in the town and the local businesses, I'm just hoping that they're constantly, you know, seeing the name and realizing it. I think a lot of people start too wide. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a real estate agent of Palm Beach County. Mm. Okay. I mean, it's 45 minutes to drive from top to bottom. Like, are you really wanting to do that and show? And are you really an expert in that area? Do you really know all the neighborhoods there? I was born and raised in Jupiter. I know every street. I don't have to open up Google Maps. Like, I know it, right? So that was obvious to me. I was like, I'm a Jupiter real estate agent and I don't ever try to be anything else. Now, what most people think is that that limits them specifically to that area. We still do transactions in Martin County, northern of us. We still do them in other towns. We do, you know, um, I don't like to go super south. I'm just a little like it gets trafficy down there. Mm. Not, I'm not loving it down there. But we basically go to like, I would say North Palm Beach, right? Uh, for anyone who's familiar. And I try to stay in that area. Because honestly, how do I advise somebody in Boca or Delray when I've like never done a deal there? I don't have marketing materials. I don't have saved audiences for them. I'm not trying to be, you know, the agent that can do everything. I'd rather refer it out yeah. and move on. So it's fair to say that if uh, you know a buyer is moving out of Jupiter uh, within your radius, you'll still, of course, work with that buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, and if past clients refer you business, you know, within a reasonable drive, you'll take it. But as far as it goes with your your farming and your funnels, it's really, really for that focus on, like you said, about the twenty thousand people in Jupiter. Yep, that's my goal. Talk to us about what you're actually farming. Like, what are you what are you mailing to people? Uh, and go a little bit deeper on you know, the digital space about the, the funnels. Do you want me to like show you what I'm mailing? I mean, it's a podcast. Sure. Can they see? Like <laughs> I mean, so a lot of people are watching on YouTube, but many do listen on Spotify. So okay. um, yeah, if I pull them out, that may actually help me a little bit. Uh, I think it's fun to make it interactive if you have it there. Yeah, it's all in this drawer because this is actually what people ask a lot. 
Um, there's some of my old ones. So even as simple as we have um, a QR code that goes to the single property website. Now this isn't mailed, but this is an all open houses. Uh, if people want to scan it. Now, anytime they're on our website, they're retargeted. So my goal with mailing or any interaction with somebody is that they will be brought to any site that I have pixeled, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's a YouTube video, my website, my Facebook page, my Instagram page, like I wanna be able to retarget them um, if they've been there. Now, if you're in California right now and you're on my page and then you're like, I don't see your ads, well, no shit, because I'm not paying for you to see my ads. That's pointless for me unless I'm specifically targeting California buyers like moving here. But honestly, I don't typically do that. I stay within like my radius as I was saying before. Yeah. Um, so we do what we've sold in the neighborhoods and they're big mailers, QR codes. Well, nope, this one's older. It doesn't have a QR code, but I have them in the store. We send those out that just show what we did. Now, every time we sell or getting ready to sell a home a week before the sign goes in the ground, we mail to the mail route thinking of selling and it has a QR code and it says that we're digital marketing experts and we'd love to get your house in front of all these people. Then a week later, a sign goes up in their neighbor's yard and they're like, oh, look, they're using them. But I already knew they were using me. I just sent these mailers to them to make sure they just thought, you know, like it caused somebody to hire me. Right. Um, like we that. have your neighborhood is on YouTube um, with QR code to scan to watch the YouTube video that gives the whole neighborhood tour of it. Um, mail that out to each neighborhood, depending whenever we make a new video on their neighborhood. Um, we do hello cards, introductory cards we'll send out. I mean, we have we have a variety. We just are constantly changing it. Just sold, just listed. Um, we work on expireds. We do digital marketing brochures. We just change it up all the time. Awesome. And I have a marketing director that sends it, but everything has to go back to a web and it can't ever go out. I'm never going to spend money on anything that's only going to get one touch, mm -hmm. right? Like it better be part of a bigger picture or a bigger plan. Yeah. How are we touching that person 13 times? So I think you touched upon it a little bit there. I mean, if I were, you know, an agent who maybe doesn't have the budget that you have because they're not at $100 million of volume yet, uh, that all may look a little bit overwhelming. Like that was, you probably showed us seven or eight pieces of, of uh, marketing materials. Uh, you said you have a marketing coordinator. Is that in-house? Have you hired a mm -hmm. third party? Uh, no, it's in-house. So you have somebody in-house who's preparing this yeah. stuff constantly? Yes. Okay. For, so if somebody doesn't have the budget to hire a marketing coordinator, how would you suggest that they start? Is there you know, third-party companies that you can use that you used to use that you sort of mm – -mm. so you've always been in-house? Yeah. So I'm sure there were. I used to be every hat. So when I said I used to do it all, I can work hand on hand with any single person in this office. Aside from the videographer and photographer we have on staff, like they're the only position I can't actually do. Yeah. Um, I think I've enabled all of the people to do their jobs better than I could because I was kind of rushing through or to get the task done, whereas they will pay attention more, you know, make sure there's not spelling errors, you know maybe make sure the website looks prettier. I'm a person that I'll just put something out there. I don't care if it looks great. Like I, I'm not the perfectionist of it has to be perfect before it gets out there. 
I will not sit on something. I will do it and then it's out of my mind. Which is a superpower, obviously. It's funny because you lit up every time you were talking about things that would associate with leverage and buying up your time or freeing up your time almost um, as you were explaining things earlier on. The, the digital marketing, I'm learning a lot of this now through some people that I trust and who are experts in the industry I would consider. And it's almost like a blessing in disguise that you taught yourself and you made it customized for you because a lot of these third parties that you do hire, they give a generic one for everybody. So for instance, if you had like Chime, for example, and I had Chime, which is a CRM, and you're paying for ads on there for retargeting, whatever the case it is, the same ad that they're giving you is the same ad they're giving me. Yeah. And that's across the board. So what you've done is something that's incredible because although it took your own time to invest in learning it, it's what makes you truly unique in being able mm-hmm. to leverage that more than anything else. So I still run all of my own ads. Yeah. I don't have somebody that can do that. I have hired somebody and it just didn't work out great. Um, they weren't from our area. I think it's different when you know your location, right? You know the maps, you know the people, the personalities. There's more that can go into it that way. And I could just be a little possessive on that, I guess. But everyone is taught how to run uh digital funnels differently. And I would say that a lot of them, when they're experts in it, would say I do mine incorrectly. I would say my bank account shows that I don't because I'm not looking for you to make a point of sale purchase by clicking my ad. I'm looking for a commission. I'm looking for you to refer a friend. I'm looking to stay top of mind, right? And I think that's different when you're taught how to run these ads and it's like, you know, running an ad on sweaters, right? Like you're just trying to get people to click and buy those sweaters. That's not my goal every time. So a lot of my ads don't even have a landing page where I'm trying to collect data or input your information to find out this, whatever the ad is saying, right? Like I hate the pop-up windows that say, please put in your info to learn more about this. Like I hate it. If you look at the click rate in real estate of how many people click off of that. Less than one. And it's huge. And everyone looks at my ads and says, you really should have that and you should be collecting their data. Okay, great. Well, if I collect their data and it goes in the CRM, who's calling? Who is following up? What's the point of grabbing their email or phone numbers if nobody is following up instantly? And if they're putting it in to just be nosy, they're annoyed that we then picked up the phone, right? Or texted them. If they are seeing our stuff and they want us to contact them. They fill out a contact form. They, there are so many properties that we don't have the data collection on because we're retargeting that people literally just pick up their phone and call us and say, Hey, I just saw your ad on this. Can you show me this house or shoot us a message or sign up on the website? And I know if somebody signs up on our website, like they weren't forced to. Yeah. There was no forced registration. They wanted to. I'm sitting here thinking that this is primarily for seller attraction. You no, buyers too. Buyers too. Yeah, we put every single listing we have has a video. And then once somebody watches 10 seconds of our video, they're then retargeted with the photos of the property. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a community video before each one that's always grabbing people who are interested in Jupiter to Quest up Palm Beach Gardens, North Palm. Those are like always running our community videos. And so we know if somebody's watched at least 10 seconds of that video, they're at least interested in our area. Yeah. And to you're, some extent. You're, I'm sorry if I missed this. The, so 
you're sort of the the mastermind behind this, but you're directing a third party company to build this out for you. Or no, you're that's, me. that's you. <laughs> Is that something you should be outsourcing? No, I, I tried it yeah. just what my marketing director does now is, you know, she sets up all the posts. She makes sure the videos are right. The music like I'm not doing the behind the scenes of that. I am literally just clicking the buttons and making sure the audiences that I have been putting ads in front of for the past eight years. I'm using like because I I always labeled on myself and did all of that like I'm. I'm doing that aspect, but that ad copy, the videos, the pictures, the carousels, all of that is my marketing director is actually posting those. Yeah. I'm just then running the ads on them. Very cool. What's your marketing director's prior experience? Uh, visit Seattle. She was a relocation marketer. Very cool. She's my operations manager too. She basically has two jobs for the pay one, but I'm going to let her sit there for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> well, it sounds like she's doing... Great at both. Yeah. yeah. One thing you also said you're doing a lot of branding inside of like the local shops and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Is it hard for you because you're omnipresent at this point and you're heavy on brand so that mm -hmm. someone when they think about real estate, they automatically connect it to you. Is it hard for you to track the ROI on the retargeting ads and stuff like that? Yeah. So unless they have like a mailer out when we go for a listing appointment, we mm -hmm. don't know if it was the mailers. Um, if they say we see it everywhere, I put it as a social, right? Like every deal we have, we track where it came from. Um, so I like just end up putting that one as a social when they say I see you everywhere. Because I don't know. They probably saw the ads. They probably saw, you know, in the stores or something like that. I can't actually guarantee where it came from yeah. if they don't give me specifics. So yeah. it is hard for sure. But honestly, on my ads, I'm only spending about sixteen hundred a month. And I'm not talking print; I'm talking digital ads oh. um, on Facebook and Instagram, and about six hundred on YouTube. Wow! So it's not that bad. No, that's, and there's no call to actions; it's just value, pure value of listings. I have some, but no forced registrations. Got it. That's, that's good. That's valuable. So, what would you say is your secret? She could power? teach you how to budget. Because this man, when he was doing funnels for a little bit. Was spending, spending, spending. I, I could tell you what we were doing, <laughs> and you could tell me if you think it was a stupid idea or not. We were leveraging HomeBot to get people to put in their address for mm -hmm. um, just to get an evaluation. No yeah, registration. It was an opt-in for registration, but only 0.01% would actually do it. Um, and once it would go in there, we would automatically skip trace the deed of the address, the seller's information, and everything, and it would go into an action plan where they would get an automated text. Um, the problem with that is, is that when you get a nosy neighbor who just wants to see what everybody in the neighborhood's house is worth, they start putting in everything. And then uh, it's a lot of wear and tear on the sales team. So when you were saying like, what's the next step? people were searching in their neighbor's houses. Yeah. When so we have, so I don't know if you know, if you go to Facebook and then you hit the about, they switched where it is. If you hit the about and then you can see page transparency and then you can see the ads that everyone's running. If you do that, you can check the Wolf team um, out of Jupiter, Florida. You can check the ads that we currently have running. The home evaluation ad is the same one we've had running since 2019. Mm -hmm. We haven't touched it. We're, it, it works. I get probably um, every other day somebody inputting. And then obviously in our CRM, 
we have an action plan, but we're not sending texts. I'm actually not even asking for their phone numbers. Um, it's very, I'm fine if you just give me an address because what happens then is we're gonna mail you a CMA, a condensed one with a handwritten note that says, hey, um, we got your home value request online. If this wasn't you, sorry, you know, one of your friends or neighbors inputted your address. However, if it was you and you are looking to sell, we'd love to send you the full CMA um, either email me back or give me a call with your email address and I can email it over to you. Yeah. Right. So I'm only sending mailing them three pages of a CMA, like just the summaries. And then, so if they respond to that, then it's good, but they also then get put on our mail drip. It's called a CMA mail drip. Um, so everything we mail to our farm area, we always have leftovers. So then we're just putting a stamp on them and an address label. And every week we're just mailing to the people addressed okay. and we're waiting for them to reach back out. And that's what I found has worked. Yeah, to do that all with under a $600 budget for the digital aspect of it, the print is probably gonna be more expensive, probably like 80 cents of a mailer or whatever the case it is. Uh, mm -hmm. But to have those kind of results from it. So there's no active prospecting on your team. Um, well, we have our first ISA. We've been hitting them since October um and we're hitting up expireds i used to personally do expireds so we are working on that now and it is working um it's just a shift on our team at this point honestly we just need more agents and we're having a hard time finding agents that actually want to work you know they make 20 grand oh, yeah. and they disappear for a couple months so it's limited on how much i keep wanting to try new stuff at this point yeah yeah do you ever think about doing funnels to recruit agents mm-hmm have you tried that? Has it worked? Not worked? Yeah. Yeah. That's another story for another day. <laughs> well, in closing, I want to hear about this naked home tour. We talked enough about click funnels and seller funnels and geo farms. What's this claim to fame I've heard of and give us the dirt on that. Well, I mean, when video first started before short form and short form, I feel like really did kill our long form videos. Um, I just, like to make fun videos and I did a naked home tour. I wasn't really naked, but it went, I guess, viral. And um, that put my name on the map with real estate agents because half of them hated me, half of them loved me. Uh, pun punny jokes were around. The community actually liked it because it was an ugly home. The seller loved it. It was, the <laughs> I would never have been able to do it without that seller. Like mm. I would never have just chosen a random seller, you know, to do it at, it just all the stars aligned and it kind of was like, let's just do it. How did that so conversation go down with that seller? Oh, she loved it. She, I had to text her um, after the video was posted when there were like hate comments, she was in those comments, like calling the other people names. And I'm like, you need to stop, just let it go. Your house is sold, like it's fine, it's fine. I don't care what they're saying about me. So you legitimately sat her down and said, hey, listen, I have this crazy idea. I'm going to do yeah. a, a tour of your I home mean, naked, but not really naked. And I'm going to put it all over the internet. And yeah, she's like, I don't give a shit what you do. I was just like, get right. it done. She's like, I'll be there with you. <laughs> like, I always have some of these crazy ideas. Maybe not so much me giving a tour of a house naked, but a crazy idea. And I'm always like, if this doesn't work, do I look like the asshole? I have a three page list of ideas whenever I think of ideas. And it's always like has to be the right house, right person. Mm. Right. So something clicked there. Yeah, it just clicked. And I'm getting ready to list her mom's house in like a week. That's awesome. Fully clothed though. 
Fully clothed. Good for you. You've grown up a lot. Just one question. Where did that He's going back to click funnels now. No, no, no. <clears throat> it's just so fresh because I had the call with the guy the other day. Um, where did the idea of doing the walkthrough naked come from? Like, what was the inspiration for you? Okay. So I had a five acre property that was ugly too um, and needed to be remodeled. And it was like, who's our buyer avatar? And I was like, well, multiple people, equestrian, mechanics, like nudist, um, people thought kids. Like, so I pretended to be each of those people. Like this house could be perfect for it. <laughs> well, when I got it back, I sent it to Tim Macy and Colin Cameron. Back in the day, we had RETV, um, a Facebook group for real estate agents who shoot video content. So I messaged it to them. Colin calls me immediately and says, you gotta, you gotta remove that. And I go, what? He goes, you're gonna get so much shit for it. I'm like, I know that's why I sent it to you. What do you think? He's like, so much shit, Eric. I'm like, uh-huh. He's like, so what you're going to do is just do a whole house naked at this point. If you're, if you're okay with the shit, just go all naked. And I'm like, you know, actually I'm shooting a house tomorrow that I could totally do that with. So we took it out of that other video. Yeah. And the next day I went and shot it fully. That's awesome. The whole house. You know, I would never... Never do a house tour naked? No, no. Well, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that unless I got a Yeah, subscribe. like on my idea list, it didn't say a naked home tour. Like my idea. Go ahead. What did it say? <laughs> no, it was just, you know, for this other house, like five acres and there's lots of trees. You could you could be a nudist, right? right. Like there are nudists in our area. We're South Florida, you know? I'm like, so I just thought it was funny. And what if, Kiro, you just did it just wearing that vest? Nothing underneath. <clears throat> well, wasn't there a guy at Compass that did photos and got fired for that? Really? Yeah, like a year ago. Problem is Jersey. That's why we're at EXP. You get promoted for that. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'll say is I'm happy that we had a nerdy conversation because you're truly a genius and you know your shit <laughs> in terms of how to get a brand built out in a niche marketplace. And um, to be honest, I completely forgot about the new walkthrough. So I, I have. That's why I write this down. John did not forget yeah. about Yeah, he that. was waiting for it. He was like, tell me more. <laughs> well, the whole time back in my head, like you were talking about how you were on the Over Ask podcast. And I was like, you know, we need to make sure that uh, we give more value than that than that silly podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Of course, those guys are have been good to us. Eric was on the show. Dan O'Neill was on the show. Okay. Matt Leonetti was on the show. All those Bam, guys. That's how I met Matt was in that RETV group. And I'm talking, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. It was all of us real estate agents just, and it was a small group. And we were just like shooting the shit, trying to help with video ideas, to get attention online. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been uh, super valuable. I think I learned a lot here. I got a full page of notes and I think our viewers were, will certainly find it uh, valuable. So thank you awesome. for spending some time with us. Anything that uh, you're working on that you want to share with everybody? Consistency. I'm not trying to add anything new. I'm trying to stay consistent. You know, um, most things you have to give it a good year of doing it for it to pay off. And yeah. I think uh, as real estate agents, most of us quit too soon. Well said. Well said. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, send you a referral or just collaborate with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? On all social platforms, it's Wolf of Real Estate, but Wolf with an E. Awesome. Thank you, Erica.